Beautiful morning, beautiful Lord's Day. School will be starting tomorrow over here, and uh, David and them met at the flagpole on Saturday and, and had a prayer, and we appreciate that. And we want to remember to, uh, to keep uh, the schools in our prayers and the parents and the teachers and, and the whole staff and continue to pray for that. Also on the We Shine, uh, Apple Tree is posted on the foyer double doors out there, help uh, with supplying the, uh, the school needs, the school items that we need, if you can help do that. Also, we express our sympathy to Abigail Nida at the passing of her sister, Case Aiken. Said uh, we need to continue to pray for her husband and the children and all of her family. Also, be sure to look on the, on the bulletin or, or the, the list. I still call it the bulletin. At our prayer list, uh, I'd like to mention those names. Dottie Hager, Ona Murnahan, Judy Jordan, Megan Brammer. Uh, has requested the prayers for her father, Scott. Uh, he had a heart cath on Friday. Linda Fawkes. Jackson Walker, Jaden Allen, Dottie Head, and Jerry Graham. And also remember those uh, who are battling cancer. And, and let's remember our shut-ins. And uh, as I mentioned last week, let's try to make an effort to send them a card or give them a call. You know, this has been going on a very long time now, and, uh, and a lot of them haven't seen anybody but their families. And uh, so I know a card some call, <clears throat> excuse me, would be very much appreciated. Also, uh, Jim Wilkes told me that his nephew uh, passed away, Donald Wilkes, and uh, it's a son of his brother, and uh, the arrangements are incomplete at this time. And uh, Jim and Grace Ann and their daughter Becky has acquaintance that they, we want to remember in prayer, Dan Ferguson. Dan Ferguson has covid yeah, he's critically ill, and he lives in Mississippi. So we want to keep him and that family in our prayers. Also, I have one more uh, announcement. I want to read a card, and this comes from the family of Nick Swain, and that's the person that we uh, have been praying for for many months. <clears throat> and Rod Duffy and I had a privilege to, uh, to go visit him this past week and had a good visit with him. And... Uh, they gave us a card, and it says, To our brothers and sisters in Christ, we just want to say thank you for all the cards that were sent, the phone calls, and mostly your prayers. It was comforting to know that so many wonderful Christians were lifting Nikki up in prayer. We serve an amazing God. He hears every prayer. Thank you again for all of your prayers. What a blessing you have been to our family. And again, they uh, told us that they didn't really know anyone down here. But uh, she said as soon as he was able that they wanted to come down and visit the Rome Church and meet some of the people. So let's continue to pray for that family. As we begin our service, let's bow and go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the beauty of the, this morning. Father, we... Uh, 
just thank you for all the blessings that we have, and we just know that uh, all good things come from you, and you are our creator, you are our God, and, and Father, we will just continue to serve you, and we pray that we always put you first in our lives. Father, we do pray uh, for our country. We pray, Father, for the uh, for the virus that, that is going on. We just pray, Father, we continue to pray for a cure. And, and we pray, Father, that uh, you'll continue to uh, bless us. And, and Father, be with those uh, of the families that, uh, that have lost loved ones. We pray, God, that you will comfort them. And we pray that you'll help us, Father, to be able to do our part. And, and we pray that we will remember uh, our shut-ins and and remember those, Father, uh, who need prayer. We pray, Father, that uh, you'll be with uh, Dan Ferguson. We pray that you'll bless him and, and bless that family. And we pray, Father, for the, the Wilkes family at the loss of Donald. We pray, God, that you will comfort them and, and only in a way that you can and be with uh, the family of Cass Aiken, Father. We pray that, that you will bless that family and comfort them. We have so much to be thankful for, Lord, and we are thankful that we can come to you in prayer at these times. We pray that you will be with Chris. Bless him as he brings us another lesson. Pray you'll continue to watch over him, Father, and bless him and his family. Bless David and his family, Father, and, and we pray for those who are about to go to school. We pray, Father, that you will, you will bless the students and, and, and the teachers and the staffs and and just everyone involved in that, and, and be with our country, Father. Continue to bless us. Father, we pray you'll forgive us when we fall short in what you'd have us to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's all please stand. We'll sing hymn number 531. 531. <clears throat>
And after this hand, Brother Dickie Parker will lead us in prayer and read Scripture. All things Chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Isaiah 6, 1 through 4. Before the reading, let's go to God in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to have another day to, to, to come and worship you. We thank you for all the blessings of life that you bestow upon each of us, Father. Father, we are now that we ask that you let us have an open mind and heart as we stand here and hear Chris bring your word to us this morning that we may, may apply it to our lives and use it to strengthen your kingdom. Father, we ask that you be with those that are sick, those that are shut in, those that have lost loved ones. Father, we ask that you be with them and comfort them and only like you know how. Father, we ask that you strengthen the church here at Rome, that you be with its elders and its deacons in the work that they do, Father. Father, we th we're so thankful for all the things that you do for us on a daily basis. We ask that you bless this country, Father, that you bless its leaders, and that our hope is that they someday turn their eyes and guidance back to you and do the things that you command us to do, Father. Father, we thank you for Jesus and all the love that he had and the sacrifice that he made for us, Father. And hopefully, Father, something is said or done here this morning that would bring another one to you, that it obey your will and join your church, Father. Father, we ask that you forgive us for our sins. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Isaiah 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzzah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood a seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory. 
and the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Hymn number 742, 742. We'll sing the first, second, third, and last verse. When reading the book of Ephesians, you read about a diverse culture, a culture that was separated by Jew and Gentile. And you read about the struggles between these two cultures. There are a lot of other cultures in Ephesus during this time. There are Romans, different religions, slaves, household masters, husbands and wives, Greeks, Macedonians, merchants, merchants. 
carpenters, and so on and so on. But these were people that had to do very little with Jesus and the Christian movement, movement during this time. But Paul writes in Ephesians, verse 10, But in the prestanding of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Also, Paul writes in chapter 4, verse 3, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. There's a clear message running throughout this entire thing in the book of Ephesus. That in Jesus, in his life, death, resurrection, qualifies him to be the one and true Lord and Savior. The one true King. And the way the people can see Jesus and his kingdom is here on earth is by unifying the people together. This new family has been created by the blood of Jesus Christ. And this unifies us when we are baptized and partake of the Lord's Supper. And right now, we're living in a diverse culture today. We're dealing with racism, diversity, rioting, protesting, politics, the coronavirus. Do we go to school? Do we not go to school? Do I go to worship? Do I not go to worship? And you can kind of fill in the rest. The outside world is divided. But we gather around his table, the Lord's table this morning, This morning, this unifies us as one. As Paul says, there is one body and one spirit. When we are partakers of these emblems, the bread that represents the body that hung on a cross for us and the blood that was shed for our sins, we are partaking these emblems, as Paul says, gathered together in one and all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Let's go to God in prayer at this time. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful and blessed for you to send your Son to die on the cross for us, Lord. Let us take this bread that represents your body, Lord, and the sacrifice that was made for us. Let us take it with an open heart, open mind, Lord, and remember everything that you've so richly blessed us with. Forgive us, Lord, when we do fall short. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer for the fruit of the vine. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you and come to you once again for the sacrifice you made for us, Lord. Lord, let us take this fruit of vine that represents your blood that was shed on Calvary for us, Lord. Let us take it and, and be grateful for everything you've done for us. Forgive us, Lord, when we do fall short. It's in Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen.
That's time we won't be passing around the, the uh, trays for contribution. We have yellow buckets in the back. Um, if you can drop your contribution in that, that would be greatly appreciated. Let's go to God in prayer at this time for, for he so richly blesses with. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful and blessed for all the things you've given to us on this earth, Lord. Lord, we're thankful for our elders. Let them spend this money wisely, Lord. Lord, we, are, we do so much here at Church Bill. We, we, we help those who are hungry. We help those that need help. Lord, we help our missions. Lord, we continue on doing so many things within our community, Lord. Lord, continue to, to be with this congregation, Lord, and, and continue on blessing us, Lord. Lord, be with us throughout the rest of this week, Lord. Continue on. Give us what we need. Thank you so much for never leaving our side and always being there for us. Lord, it's in Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Let's all please stand, stand again. We'll sing hymn number 200. Hymn number 200.
invitation to him this morning, number 739, 739. This time, Brother Chris. Good morning. It's good to see so many of you back with us again today. I'm kind of living still in unparalleled times, but it is good to worship together and to know that God is good. Today we're from Psalm 150. This will be our final psalm. Obviously, it's the last psalm in the Psalter. The, the book of Psalms ends with Psalm 150. Uh, so grab your Bibles and be turning there. This, this series has been one of my favorites. It's blessed me a lot, and I hope it's been good for you as well. Uh, honestly, Psalms is probably going to be one of those things we come back to, maybe on a yearly basis, and just kind of hit some of the ones that we haven't hit during this season, during this series. But uh, Psalm 150 is where we're at this morning. It's very short. You can read it. Uh, we're going to read it right now together, but I would suggest you read it uh, several times today on your own. Uh, you are familiar with, and we've spoken about this throughout this series, Psalms are not writings that you can read through very quickly. It's not how they work. It's not how they were designed. They were meant to be read very slowly, very thoughtfully. You're supposed to ask questions as you read through the Psalms. You're supposed to think, how does this psalm relate to the psalm, psalm before it and the psalm after it? How does it relate to the section it's in? What, is these, what do these words mean? Is this psalm, the thoughts found in this psalm, different than some of the thoughts found in other psalms? How is this psalm unique? You can't do that quickly. Uh, psalms just takes some time. You've got to spend time with these, with these passages. Uh, it's not hard. You just read through it. Uh, several times, and, and, and the, the meaning starts to, to come out for you. But let's read it together. You've got, uh, you've got papers uh, on, uh, on the tables in the back. Some of you guys picked those up this morning as you were walking in um, that have the, uh, some questions for further reflection on them. Uh, I'll allude to those just a, a few times during uh, our lesson, um, but I think those will be helpful for you as well as you study this, this expansive psalm. This is the biggest psalm that we've studied to date. Uh, it's not long. It's not the longest psalm, but it is the most expansive, the biggest psalm. And I, I think you'll see what I mean as we go up through it. Verse 1, Psalm 150, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance, praise him with strings and pipe, praise him with sounding cymbals, praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. This psalm, like, like I'm beginning to think every psalm is, is unique. It's, it's incredibly special. Obviously, just on the very first reading here, you find out very quickly that there is an emphasis on praise in this psalm. Uh, it is, as you noticed in verse 1, one of these hallelujah psalms. We've talked about those the last couple of weeks. There are ten hallelujah psalms. They are grouped together throughout the Psalter. Psalter. But uh, uh, the last five psalms, 146 through 150, are all hallelujah psalms, meaning that they both start with and end with this idea of praising the Lord, raving, gushing about what the Lord has done, who He is. So it's special in that instance, but it's also special because it's the last of the, of the psalms. It's the last chapter. It's the last psalm in the book of Psalms. So you'll find here in this passage that we are called to praise the Lord. 
no less than 13 times in six verses. It's kind of incredible, right? Whenever you see that kind of repetition, you, you need to pay attention because he's, he's trying to tell you something uh, that you might otherwise miss. Again, read through these very slowly. If you were to read through it in Hebrew in your spare time, I'm sure you've all learned Hebrew. Uh, and so if you were to read it through in Hebrew, you would see that praise him is the, 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 the most distance between calls to praise him is only four words long in Hebrew. And that only occurs once. Uh, and so if you were to read this as it was originally written, you would hear this call to praise him repeatedly, repeatedly, even more so than what we find in our English tran translations today. In the opening verses, the psalmist uh, calls us to praise God. Here, remember last week, he's going to start in the highest heavens. He's going to start with the angelic host. Our psalmist today doesn't do that. He starts with us here on earth, and then finally he moves to uh, those in the mighty heavens. Uh, and then he envisions a scene where God's praise has filled the entire universe. The entire universe. You start talking quickly, and you say universe. Universe. Uh, his, his praise is envisioned in the entire, not just world, but all of creation. Uh, if you go back through and you look at what Dickie read for us this morning in Isaiah chapter 6, you get this exalted view of God. Uh, it, it's incredible, right? There are a couple of times in Scripture where we get transported into God's throne room and you are found there with whoever, whether it's John or Isaiah, found there in that throne room on your knees, humbled in front of the exalted God of the, of the creation. In Isaiah 6, the passage Dickie read for you this morning, you get transported into his throne room and his, his train of his robe fills the entire temple and there's these four living creatures who all they do night and day is say holy 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 is the Lord God and his glory has filled the entire earth it's interesting here that our psalmist is indicating that if his glory fills the entire earth should not his praise these two things go together and so he's, he's kind of indicating here that that as amazing and as glorified, as literally awesome as the Lord is, we ought to praise Him for those things. We ought to stand in awe of Him. That, that is just the, the very first reading. As you walk through this, this fantastic psalm, that's the first thing that catches your mind most likely. Let's go back through. Uh, let's start in the first couple of verses. We're going to walk through each one of these verses. Again, it's just six verses long. Um, but you'll find new things as you read through it repeatedly. Uh, you'll, you'll find something else happening. So let's walk through these first couple of verses. Psalm 50, verses 1 and 2 says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. That's interesting, right? Mighty heavens. Look at the next um, Superlative is what these words are called. Mighty heavens, mighty deeds. In verse 2, his excellent greatness. Throughout the book of Psalms, you've seen the, the psalmists wax poetic about God's grandeur. Uh, they have plunged the depths uh, of who he is uh, and how that should humble us. Um, 
they, they've tried to give us a picture of who God is. Remember, the Psalms is God's virtual temple, written during a time when the actual physical temple was no longer in play. It had been destroyed by the Babylonians. And so they had nowhere to go to meet with God. And so our psalmists, uh, the editor that put together Psalms, the book of Psalms as we know it today, has formed this book to make us a virtual temple where we can go and learn of and learn from God. And so that's what the psalmists have tried to do. They've tried to, and obviously successfully so, give us a picture of God, how big and wonderful and amazing and fierce and powerful He is. But here at the end of the Psalter, at the end of the book of Psalms, you find our psalmist here in 150 using all these superlatives as if he, as if to say, we've barely even scratched the surface of God's mighty deeds, of his excellent greatness. He's kind of at a loss for words. And he's the one who's read all of these psalms. He put them together in a certain way, right? And so I think obviously by inspiration. Um, but it's almost like he's at a loss for words here. And so he, he uses these, these superlatives, uh, mighty and excellent. Take another look at mighty deeds, though. Usually the psalmist will come back and he'll, he'll talk to you about some of what some of those mighty deeds might have been. Uh, the, red, the crossing of the Red Sea, the Egyptian plagues, uh, just God's everyday presence with you. He's going, he's going to enumerate some of those things. And you'll see that especially in the Psalms of David, where David will say, well, you rescued me out of this, this awful thing. It looked, it looked dire. It looked like you had betrayed me and abandoned me, but here I am safe and I praise you because of that. Our psalmist doesn't do that. Now, he obviously thinks that you will have read through each one of the other psalms, and so you are well acquainted with, or at least we should be well acquainted with, God's mighty deeds throughout the rest of the book of Psalms. So maybe he doesn't feel like he has to make a list of some of God's incredible deeds, because we're already pretty familiar with that. I think that's true. I think he's also leaving room for us to insert how God has stepped into our lives the mighty things that he's done for us individually. So I, I, he doesn't make a list here for those, for those couple of reasons. And he's also going to talk to us about excellent greatness here toward the end of uh, verse 2. He reminds us that even if God had not done anything for us, even if he had withdrawn from us, which he obviously hasn't, the book of Psalms is clear there, when the psalmist thinks that God is, is, has gone from him, you just wait a couple of verses, and he says, well, you're right there. I see you now. I don't know how I missed you earlier. You, you've been here right with me the whole time. But even if he had withdrawn from us, he's still worthy of praise just because of who he is. Just vested in his very nature, is, he's worthy of praise just because of who he is. Verses 3 through 5, uh, you see... All these instruments coming uh, to, to praise God. Obviously, we don't, we don't worship with an instrument today. If you would like to talk more about that later, we can talk more about that. See me, see me after services, and I would love to talk to you about why, uh, why that's the case. But what I want you to notice today is the, the psalmist's excitement about worship. Uh, you don't have to read very far into this passage before you kind of, you kind of see him. He's excited to come to worship, right? 
He's excited to come into the presence of God. You get a picture of that presence in Isaiah 6 and Revelation 20, uh, where John is transported into God's throne room as well as Isaiah was in Isaiah chapter 6. We have, I think, restored New Testament worship. I think we worship in exactly the same way, exactly the same manner as the apostles did in the first century. But we need to make sure that we are not only worship in truth, like, like John, Jesus says in John 24, verse 24, but also in spirit. When we come into God's throne room in worship, there ought to be some excitement. There ought to be some fervor. There ought to be some passion there. We ought to be awestruck, not only by what he's done, but who he is. And so, I think you see that here in these couple of verses. Also, I think you see, I don't want to take this too far, but I think you see him saying that you should worship God in every season of life. Uh, so this trumpet sound, the trumpets were used during the year of Jubilee. Every seven years, all debts were canceled. So those, those of us who have student loans or mortgages, this would have been a cool thing for us. But every seven years in Israel, all debts were wiped away. If you were a slave because you, uh, you, you owed someone, you were set free every seven years. Um, that, that festival was announced with a trumpet. Uh, tambourines and dancing were uh, another holiday. They were used during celebrations of joy. The pipe and the flute were used for daily music making. And so it kind of seems like maybe the psalmist is saying in every aspect of our lives, in every season of our lives, we should excitedly, fervently worship Him. Beginning to see how big this psalm is. It's not just one nation. It's not just Israel. You'll see that in a second. It's not just at one point in your life. It's all your life. It's not just for one thing, but for everything that he has done. Verse 6, he ends this psalm and the entire book of Psalms with this very simple phrase. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Notice it's not Israel. It's not just one nation. That's usually the way the psalmists end their psalms, right? Half of the book of Psalms are lament psalms, where the psalmist cries out to God because he feels betrayed, he feels let down by God. And then the other half are, are just straight praise psalms, very much like what, we had, what we've had the last couple of weeks here. And so, but as you walk through the lament psalms, they almost all end in praise. And a lot of them end in the psalmist saying, Nation of Israel, no matter whether you're in good times or bad times, no matter whether, whether you're able to be in the temple or whether you're still in Babylonian captivity, you ought to praise the Lord, Israel. That's not what this one does. That's not what this psalm does. In Psalm 117, we find the psalmist getting even a bigger view. It's not just Israel that's special. It's the entire world that God wants to come to him, right? But our psalmist is saying something even more expansive, something even bigger than even that thought. He says, let everything that has breath, deer, coyotes, mosquitoes, caterpillars, you know, everything that has breath, praise the Lord. He's emphatic. 
Uh, this song, it's just beautiful. And so that's Psalm 150. But you've got to think as well how it plays into the rest of the book of Psalms. This psalm is the, the cap uh, of the Psalter. It's the, the end, the last psalm. And so you've got to go back to the very beginning psalm. In Psalm chapter 1, we get the ideal. What happens when you're a righteous person? What happens when you love God with everything that you have and you follow Him devotedly, risking everything, giving up everything to follow Him? What happens? Well, you get blessings, right? But then life hits us and we see righteous people with small children that have cancer. We see righteous people lose their jobs. We see righteous people die. We see missionaries that are, that are hurt and, and killed for their faith, even though they're righteous. And so you kind of look at Psalm 1 and you think, well, maybe the psalmist was not thinking clearly that day. <laughs> maybe something was wrong. You thought, no, I think he was thinking very clearly. I think he knew exactly what he was talking about. Because if you start in chapter 2 of Psalms and go all the way through chapter 149, you find the psalmists saying, God is good, and he will take care of me, and I need to be righteous, and he'll bless me. But life happens. And Psalms 2 through 149, most of the book of Psalms is about those yeah but instances where God feels distant from them. He, they feel betrayed by God. They feel let down by God. And so what do you do? Well, each one of those psalmists, to a man, Psalm 2 through 149 will say, I feel like you're distant. I feel let down by you. I feel betrayed by you, but I'm still going to praise you. I'm, I'm, I'm still yours. I know that you're my God. I know that you're good. And I know that you're there in the middle of my pain, right here with me. I believe that you are good. Psalm 150 teaches us that we just need to abandon ourselves to a total trust in God. I think that's why it's placed here at the very end. It, it wasn't the last psalm written. Um, again, Psalms is an edited book, and so it is placed here at the very end of the Psalter for a purpose. I think, I think Psalm 1 talks us about the ideal. If you're righteous, God will bless you. Psalms 2 through 149 says, yeah, yeah, but life happens and it disorients us and it kind of throws us for a loop, doesn't it? And it kind of messes with our mind and we start thinking, well, maybe God's not good. Maybe he's not even there. Maybe, maybe something's, maybe I've missed something. And then you keep reading through Psalms 2 through 149 and it says, well, you didn't miss anything. God really is good. He really is still there and he's really in the midst of your pain with you and he wants good things for you. Stay devoted to him. And then 150 caps it all off with this idea of, Praise God no matter what's going on in your life. You be devotedly following Him even in the midst of your darkness. That's the good news. That we can and should follow God devotedly in the midst of our pain. And that He'll come through. The book of Psalms is clear. He comes through in the end. 
We walk through pain and He walks through it with us. And as long as we are His devoted follower, not, not, not giving in to fear or panic and not giving in to, to anger and hate and not giving in to all these things that pull at us, but staying His devoted, humble follower. If we can do that, He blesses us. It may not be here, but He blesses us. And so that's what we're looking forward to, right? We're looking forward to the promise of heaven. This morning, if you've not been baptized, your sins are still on your record. You're still being held accountable for those things. And so today's the day when those things can be washed away and you can become God's devoted follower who even in the midst of pain, and even in the midst of hurt and panic, devotedly follows Him. This morning, maybe you've already made the decision to become His person, to become a devoted follower of Christ, and you just need to get back on track. Life is hard, and especially during these times, it's incredibly easy to get off track, to, to stray away from Him, to give in to fear and panic and all this other stuff. This morning, if we can help you in any way, why don't you let us know this morning as we stand and sing. What? Brother Dwight Dumford will lead us in prayer.
I just want to remind us on Wednesday evening, Wednesday afternoon classes, there's a, uh, a, a great class going on. It's uh, John Clayton, Does God Exist? Rick Keister and, and uh, Chris is doing that, and they're doing a great job on it. I think that's going to be like 36 weeks, Rick, 36 weeks, and last week was uh, week six. So you can watch that. I think it, they've moved it to 4 o'clock or whatever, but you can watch it on the church's Facebook page at any time, and also they uh, put it up on YouTube too. So I failed to mention that, but that uh, Wednesday night, that's a, that's a great class. So. See how we pray. Our Father in heaven, we bow our heads before you with humility and reverence before you, dear God. We're thankful, Lord, that we can meet together and worship you as a church family with all the circumstances that are going on around us in this world. We pray, God, that our, our service to you this day was pleasing and that everything that we said in and did in this service was giving glory to you, God. We're thankful for the many blessings we have had in this life. You have blessed us beyond measure, and we're very thankful, Lord, that you do look down upon us and have mercy upon us. We ask, Lord, that you forgive us when we fail you. There are many times in our lives, Lord, we realize daily that we don't meet the expectations, Lord, that, that we should live up to, but we ask you, Lord, to forgive us and help us to be better Christians in our daily walk. We ask you, Lord, to be with those that can't be here today, those that are sick, and those that are shut in, Lord. We ask you to be with them and help us to say or do something to lift, lift up their spirits and let them know that we care about them. Dear God, as we prepare to go our separate ways, we ask you, Lord, to be with those in our number that are students going back to school. Lord, we, we pray your protection over them and your, your care for them, Lord. We ask you to be with each and every one of us as we go to our separate homes, and we give you the praise and the glory for everything that you have done in our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.